0: We're so glad uh, you guys are here. If you're new with us, um, uh, we're so glad that you're here. As Zach said earlier, uh, man, we'd love for you to fill out one of those info cards um, and love to just get to know you. I'd uh, love to buy you a cup of coffee uh, or lunch. Uh, just hear your story and have, uh, have you get to uh, ask questions of us. We're back in the gospel of Mark this morning, um, which we've been in for several months now. And uh, as we've been reading, we've seen that Mark has painted this picture of Jesus who shows up on the scene in first century Palestine, and he shows up on the heels of John the Baptist. And he started making some waves, and because that's what Jesus does. Jesus makes waves. Um, and Jesus goes around, and Mark tells us what he's been doing. He says in Mark 1:14, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus is going around, and he's proclaiming and declaring the gospel of the kingdom of God. Um, and so what is the gospel that Jesus is proclaiming? Well, I think if you grew up in church, um, we have a definition. It's often a truncated, short you know, Jesus died for my sins gospel, which is true, but it's not the whole truth, right? It's the gospel is that instead of Herod, instead of Caesar, instead of some worldly power, there is a new king in town, and he's brought in a new kingdom, and the kingdom of God has broken into the world. It's a kingdom where the least are the, fir- are, are the greatest, and the last are shall be first, and where you turn the, ch- the other cheek, and where uh, you serve um, as a sign of uh, going forward. Theologians call this the upside-down kingdom. It's, it's where uh, our normal uh, conceptions of what makes a kingdom great or how someone ought to rule is flipped on its head. And so when Jesus casts out demons and he heals the paralytic and he cleanses the leper, he's demonstrating the nature of the kingdom that restores what's broken. When Jesus calls a motley crew of disciples that include fishermen and despised tax collectors. He's showing the nature of this kingdom that unifies those who should not be hanging out together and shows demonstrates what sorts of people are in this kingdom. And as Jesus teaches, he's teaching what this upside-down kingdom looks like. Listen, the kingdom of God is not merely a hope for life after death, but it has real, it's a reality that impacts us in the here and now. And the religious leaders were confused and upset because he's shaking things up. He's shaking up what they know. Jesus isn't following the established rules. In fact, he seems to be subverting their authority. In the previous passage, the, the teachers of the law accused Jesus of being possessed by a demon. And then a few verses later, his family thinks he's out of his mind. We were only three chapters into the Gospel of Mark, and uh, people... Even the people closest to him think he's out of his mind. And as Jesus goes around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, he's met with people who believe him, who say, yes, I'm in. He's met with people who are like, hey, I'm kind of interested, and so I'll keep following you. He's met with people who are like, hey, you'll heal me? Hey, you'll feed me? I'll follow you. And he's met with people who just flat out uh, reject him and disbelieve what they see and hear. And now we get to this parable here uh, in Mark. Now, if you've been around church or if you've been around the Bible, uh, you've probably heard about parables. In fact, there are some famous ones, right? You have the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the prodigal son. And I think we often think of parables sort of like Aesop's fables, right? They're these short stories that have a good moral, right? Stories to inspire us to live better lives. But parables are, are actually these visceral pictures that show this upside-down nature of the kingdom. Jesus' parables weren't just feel-good anecdotes. In fact, his parables often left his hearers perplexed, sometimes downright uncomfortable, and very often confused. See, the parables are about the kingdom of God and what it is like and how it comes and what it does and what its citizens look like. And the parable that we read this morning, uh, we call it the parable of the sower. And so uh, if you missed it or if you zoned out in the mix of, uh, you know, mixed up readings, uh, let me uh, summarize it for you. Jesus says, hey, a man went out to sow and he just scattered seed abroad. Some seed fell along the path and birds came up and snatched them up. Some seed fell on ground that was kind of rocky and, and so it sprang up, but It really wasn't able to catch root. So when the sun came out, it scorched it and it withered and died. It says, hey, some seed fell uh, along uh, a path where there was like thorns and thistles and weeds, a lot of overgrowth. And so as the plant grew, it was choked out by the thorns. And some seed fell on good soil and it yielded this overabundant harvest. And the disciples hear that and they're like, That's hype. That's great. What does that mean, Jesus? And Jesus, because he's gracious, he explains it to them, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. And so here's the main point of this parable. Jesus is saying there are four responses to the kingdom, and only one of those responses bears fruit. Listen, I've got, normally when someone preaches, you know, they've got like three points, or they've got these points that are well-defined. I only have one point for you this morning. And it's really, it's a question. And it's a question that I want us to ask as we look at this text. The question is, how receptive is my heart to the message of the gospel? How open am I to receiving the message of this kingdom? And, and here's what I would offer to you today. That we have to be, we must be diligent to cultivate the garden of our heart to receive the word of God and the message of the kingdom. That our posture to the message and the fruit that our lives display, the kingdom of if whether or not the kingdom has taken root in our hearts. And so, if, if you would just take a moment to pray, take a moment and pray for the person to your right and to the person to your left, that their hearts would be opened. Take a second to pray for me, and take a second to pray for yourself. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that is coming to us this morning. God, would we have soft hearts? Would you reveal where the soil of our heart needs to be cultivated and tended and tilled? God, would you through your spirit do a mighty work this morning? Your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to walk through the explanation of the parable and see what the Lord has for us. Does that sound good? All right. Mark chapter 4, verse 13, and he, being Jesus, said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so first off, Jesus tells us something fascinating. He says that this parable is actually the key to understanding all of his parables. And so if we don't understand this parable, we're not going to, it's going to be hard to receive and understand the other parables. And so let's work, friends, to understand it. Verse 14, Jesus says, the sower sows the word. And so the seed that is sown is the word that goes out. Now, here's a question. What is the word? Matthew's gospel tells us that uh, he describes it as the word of the kingdom. Luke tells us it's the word of the gospel of God. It's what Jesus has been doing and teaching. And so anytime, what Jesus is saying, anytime the message of the kingdom of God goes forth, that is seed that's being scattered See that's going forth. Now, if you've grown up in church or if you're anything like me, you typically hear the story taught um, as talking about salvation and evangelism and what happens when you hear, uh, the moment you hear the gospel. And I, I think that's partly true because salvation involves hearing the gospel and receiving it and responding to it. But, but the more I've sat in this text the last couple of weeks, the more I'm Convinced that Jesus wasn't talking about ultimate salvation, but about what happens every time the word of God goes forth. When you hear, when, as we hear the imperatives of scripture and the warnings of the kingdom and the teachings of the kingdom about the ethics and the justice and the kindness and love, the continual sowing of seed. Every time we read scripture, every time we hear a message, that is seed being sown. And so what is our posture every time we encounter the word of God that is sown? How receptive are we to receive and accept the word? This is what James talks about when he writes his letter, uh, his epistle. uh, In James chapter 1, he says, hey, receive with meekness the implanted word, the word that has been planted in you. And he says, hey, this is how you receive it. You receive it by hearing it, and not just hearing it, but by doing it. And so what Jesus is talking about this morning, what Jesus is unpacking, is the hard work of discipleship. Allowing seed to grow and to mature into fruition. Friends, we're really great about talking about hearing and receiving and believing and kind of leaving at that. But we haven't done a great job about talking about discipleship. And that's what we're going to unpack today, of growing continuously into the image of Christ, of being conformed and being sanctified. And Jesus is going to go on and describe the different types of soil. And listen, it's going to be really easy to listen to the sermon and think about what type of soil your spouse has or what type of soil your neighbor has or someone else in your mind. But I think Jesus would have us to look at ourselves to analyze what type of soil our hearts are right now. And so as, as we listen, please pray with me and ask that the Holy Spirit reveal your own heart this morning. Mark chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus says, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So the first group of people that Jesus addresses are those described as the path, or or maybe a better word for us is the trail. It's it's ground that's been walked upon over and over and over again. It's been pressed down, and it's been hardened by all the walking and by the sun to form a path. And Jesus says, these are people who have been so hardened that the seed takes no root in them. This is probably the easiest soil to identify. This is folks who hear the gospel of the kingdom and turn around and say, man, that's foolishness. And Jesus tells us why. It's because Satan has removed it before he even has a chance to sink in. These are hardened, callous hearts that won't even let the word penetrate beyond the surface to let it work its way down into the heart to change them. There's minds that have been so shaped by the kingdoms of this world and ideologies of the day that they can't even begin to fathom the truths of the kingdom of God. and They're quick to offer a reason for why they don't believe. And so, so when they hear the ethics of the kingdom, it seems ridiculous, right? That if you're struck on the cheek, you don't retaliate. You turn the other cheek, and, and that's, they think that's foolishness. That we're to be merciful as God has been merciful to us, and we're to love our neighbors. That's weakness. Side note, it is. That our king offers a sexual ethic so that intimacy is this precious and beautiful, wonderful thing, but it's damaging outside of the context of a covenant marriage between a man and a woman. And that's archaic and puritanical. Now we can be reconciled to God through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And that seems like old school superstition. This is many of the Pharisees and teachers of the law that Jesus encountered. And before we say, hey, that's out there. That's, uh, you know, that's the world or that's um, atheists or that's, how, that, insert whoever you think that is. Can I offer that you can be here within the sound of my voice and have a hardened heart? You can hear sermon after sermon after sermon and it does nothing. Read the Bible and remain unchanged because the enemy has snatched it up before it could take root. Friends, are you receptive to the word of God or is your heart shut closed? Have you been so formed and shaped by social media and media outlets and echo chambers that have packed down the soil of your heart so that you've become dull to the message of the kingdom? <laughs> Do you hear the radical call to lay down your life and lay down your rights and think, it's not for me. Maybe it's because our hearts have been hardened. Some of you may be in here and you've experienced real hurt from the church or from Christians, whether it's hypocrisy or abuse or something else and I want to grieve with you and I'm so sorry. But can I offer that the message of the kingdom is valuable and worth it And if you allow the Holy Spirit to work through your heart, you would see the fruit there. See, it need not end with hard-packed soil. The Holy Spirit is excellent at breaking through the hard soil of our hearts and tilling it to receive the word of truth. See, fundamentally, on a large scale, that's what happened to all of us, the story of all of us who call ourselves Christians. Once we were enemies of God, we had wanted nothing to do with him. Our hearts were hardened by sin and by the world and the spirit of God softened our heart and broke through so that the gospel would take root in our hearts. Friends, he does it. He continues to do it. And so if you sense a hardness of heart, would you ask the Holy Spirit to break through? Second type of soil was rocky ground. Verse 16, Jesus says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The second group of people... Have just enough soil, uh, just enough soft soil to hear the good news of the kingdom and respond by receiving with joy. It's, it's good news, it's a word, but there's no depth to the soil. And that shallowness is evidenced by the fact that the word of the kingdom doesn't penetrate their heart and take deep root. And when suffering comes because of that word, they bounce And when the message of the kingdom makes demands they're unwilling to submit to or calls them to suffer for the sake of the word, they fall away. Friends, this is suffering for the sake of the word. The gospel of the kingdom is good news. Make no mistake, but the call to follow Jesus is a call to suffer. It's not part of the Christian life that we like to talk about. But Jesus told us we ought to expect it. Peter and Paul and James tell us it's coming. Christians throughout the life of the church have experienced it, and yet we have no framework for it. I was, I was chatting with Zach before service this morning, and we were just, we were just marveling that we, have both of us, have grown up in church our whole lives, and growing up, we never had this theology of suffering. Suffering was something that happened if you were bad or as punishment. But no real framework for No suffering comes because you're a Christian. And so friends, what is the state of your heart? Do you, do you love the grand, great, glorious, unifying claims of the kingdom but not its call to suffer? Will you cling to the hope of the gospel or bail when it comes your way? Man, something that I, I was sitting with this week is wondering, am I more concerned about being liked and being approved of than following Jesus. Are we more concerned about being identified with a certain group or or not being identified with a certain group? See, walking in obedience to Jesus will put you at odds with the systems and structures of the world. The kingdom of God will make demands on us socially and financially and sexually and ethically, and that will rub against the kingdoms of the world. And the kingdoms of the world will let you know that you are at odds with them. I have a friend who's a pastor uh, in Austin and he's, um, he's South African and so everything he says sounds like the most profound thing you've ever heard. Uh, his name is Ross Lester and he, he said this profound thing um, and I want to read it to you. I think it will be on the screen. He said, the ethic of the kingdom will be way too conservative for progressives and way too progressive for conservatives, not because it's centrist. The goal isn't the middle. But because it is a completely different kingdom, operating under totally different principles, which means that its adherents should feel like freaks and aliens, the homeless in the world, welcome to the kingdom of God, be prepared to be rejected by most. What an uplifting word, right? (laughs) See, following Jesus is great when things are going great. But how do we respond when we receive pushback? Will we let the word go in and take deep root in our hearts so that we cling to it? Listen, if you feel it this morning, if you feel like you're hanging by a thread, if you feel like you don't know how long you can um, withstand the pushback from the world, would you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to help you? Ask him to provide that depth of soil that you might hold on. So we have the path, we have the rocky ground, and third we get thorns. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus said, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The third group Jesus talks about has good soil, but it's covered with thorns and weeds, so as the seed grows it's choked out by the weeds above the ground my uh my wife and i are renting our house in south yukon right now um and uh you know we had a crazy, we, we, we moved here six months ago, uh, we had, had no idea what to expect. We had a crazy winter, um, and then as spring rolled around and as summer has rolled around, we noticed something interesting. Um, we had a lot of weeds in our yard, um, especially in our backyard, and we hated going in our backyard because it was always just full of weeds. It got really high, and so we'd, we, we'd, we'd mow the grass, and within a few days, right, they're, they're just up high again. Um, but it felt like the grass never grew, and so sometimes we would wait like a few weeks, being like, all right, grass, let's grow, let's grow. Um, the weeds would get really high, and we're like, all right, this, our neighbors hate us right now, so we'd go and, and get it mowed again, and um, one day, our landlord came by, and, uh, and he said, hey, uh, I noticed you have weeds out there, and we're like, yeah, Uh is, is that something you solve, or is that, is that on us? Like, what's, what's, you know, what's going on? I, we have no idea. And, and he sent someone to spray the weeds, which we're grateful for. Um, but we noticed something, that not only did the weeds disappear, the weeds went away, um, but we realized that after the weeds went away, that the grass started growing. And we realized, hey, we actually have nice grass We actually have a nice backyard, and we actually like sitting outside in the backyard. Um, We found out that the weeds were literally choking out our grass, and that's what's going on here. The message of the kingdom takes root, and it starts growing, but that growth is suffocated. And what are the things that Jesus says? Choke the word. Jesus describes it as the cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. It's, th- it's these things that aren't morally wrong or terrible. In fact, they're neutral at best, but they, but they compete for our time and our attention and our affection Friends, I, I think this is one of the most dangerous soils because I think it's totally possible to have this condition of heart and keep coming to church and plug into church for years and not know. You come in week in and week out and hear sermons and study the Bible and, and, and you hear the call towards, uh, towards uh, how we ought to live and it takes some root, but it never really flourishes. Why? Why? Jesus says it's because our cares for worldly things and ideologies and desires for other things besides the kingdom of God crowd out the flourishing of the word. Things like money and fear. Things like culture wars and political ideologies. Things like extracurricular activities and vacations and after school sports and Amazon Prime. As I said, uh, our family moved from Austin six months ago. And uh, in, Austin, in Austin, Texas, it was really easy to see people chase the deceitfulness of riches. It's this young, hip town. You've got a lot of young folks working for tech companies and startups, and they're making more money than they know what to do with. But here in Yukon, we, we've felt a different pull. It, it's not that there isn't a chasing after the deceitfulness of riches. That's, that's definitely there. But it's the pull towards middle-class comfort, right? Living in quiet, cute neighborhoods and sending kids to good schools and living a modest version of the American dream, middle-class comfort. There's a pull towards a certain way of life, a certain standard of living, an assumption of what's normal and what's right. Notice what Jesus says these weeds and these thorns do. They choke the seed so that it proves unfruitful. Friends, is there fruit in your life? Is there fruit of the kingdom of God evident in your life? Is there a changed life? Is there repentance? Is there obedience? Is there love and compassion? Are the fruit of the Spirit flourishing in your life? Or, Or do you find your life marked more by anger than joy? Worry about where our country is going or fear over what this politician is or isn't doing? Do you find yourself drained trying to maintain an Instagram-worthy life? I've given up on that, by the way. I'm the guy who just posts pictures of his daughter uh, dancing. And so if you follow me on Instagram, that's all you're getting, sorry. Are you exhausted trying to keep up with the busy demands of your calendar and productivity? Listen, can I offer that so much of what the world offers, promises or encourages you to care about are just weeds that will squeeze the spiritual vitality out of your souls. Here's the invitation that I think this parable calls us to. Weed the garden of your life. What are the things that you're seeing in your life that are preventing the growth of fruit in your life? How can you uproot the insidious weeds crowding your heart? Listen, maybe it's time to deactivate Facebook or Twitter. (coughs) I promise you'll hear the news somehow. Maybe it's clearing your schedule to allow uh, more time for your family or rearranging your calendar so that you could plug into the life of the church in community groups and D groups Maybe it's spending less time watching CNN and Fox News and befriending someone of a different political leaning, not to argue them into submission, but to show them neighborly love. Maybe it's giving your spouse your phone and your passwords. Maybe it's looking at your credit card statements and your budgets and your spending to see where you see the creeping vines of the deceitfulness of riches as they make their way into your heart. friends. What are the other things in your life? Listen, if some of these things seem radical, it's maybe it's because the cares of the world have crept into our gardens and convinced you that you can have competing loves, that you can serve God and money, that you can serve God and comfort, God and insert whatever ideology you want. You become like my lawn where there's some grass there but it sure isn't growing. Have you ever tried to pull out weeds? It's not fun. See, weeds tend to take deep roots, and and they tend to spread out their roots, and so it's easy to pull off the top, but the roots remain. See, pulling weeds is hard work, friends. It's hard work. It's uncomfortable. You might get a few thorny pricks along the way, but can I offer that the fruit of the kingdom is better than the prettiest weed? I promise you. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. He will help. And finally, we get to the good soil. Jesus tells us in Mark 4:20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Lastly is a person who hears the word and accepts it and it penetrates deep into the soil of their heart and it takes root and it flourishes and it bears much fruit. So much, an overabundant harvest. And notice, again, how you can tell the condition of the soil. He says it's by the fruitfulness of the seed. It's an amazing harvest. The seed is good, but this type of soil, friends, doesn't just happen. You don't just go along meeting perfect soil. It has to be tended to and attended and cultivated so that the soil is soft. I don't think any of you look out at me and think, man, that guy must be a farmer. And you'd be right, because I don't have a green thumb whatsoever. But growing up, my parents had this uh, vegetable garden in our backyard um, uh, in, in my native tongue. It's called a Krishi. And, and we would grow things like spinach and peppers and curry leaves and tomatoes and, and all these uh, wonderful vegetables. And every spring, my parents would send my brother and I out into our backyard. Um, And we had the work of trying to uh, till and prepare the hard Texas soil. And so we'd go out there with shovels and with garden hose, and we would uh, try to turn the soil, turn the soil, break it up, turn it. And we'd have to remove all these obstacles, remove debris, and we'd plant uh, seeds, and then we'd have to regularly go in there to remove debris and to pull out weeds and to apply fertilizer and to uh, fend off bugs. And as the seeds grew, we had to build these trellises and build these structures to support the growth. And in due time, we'd have a harvest of wonderful vegetables that my mom would make curries and and, and dishes out of. That's the picture that Jesus is painting. It's one of diligently, regularly tending to and cultivating the soil to ensure the health and the vitality of the garden. Friends, we must be attentive to the soil of our hearts, tending to it. The seed is good. The seed produces abundant harvest if the ground is tilled and turned over. How do we do this? How do we do this? We do it through regular repentance, we do it through the regular intake of God's word to till and soften the soil of our hearts. We do it through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to admonish us and to refine us and to reveal where we have uh, the weeds that we are blind to. This type of soil has to be tended to so that there's depth and rocks and other obstructions in the soil are removed. It has to be tended to so that weeds and thistles and vines and other distractions are pulled out. This type of soil needs the presence of Christian community to identify and examine the fruit that's in our lives to see if the fruit is good fruit. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Friends, we need Christian community to exhort one another every day so that we aren't hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, because guess what? Sin is deceitful. We need to take care so that our hearts would remain softened to the message of Jesus. And so here's some diagnostic questions to think through this morning. What is the state of your heart? What are the things that are keeping you from receiving the word, from from letting it take root in your life and from producing fruit? Are you seeing fruit in your life? Listen, here's the good news. However the word goes out, do you know who the ultimate sower is? It's Jesus. Jesus. And he keeps sowing. He keeps, He's sowing today. He keeps sowing and he keeps inviting us to follow him into greater faithfulness, into greater fruitfulness. And he's sowing even now. And so as long as it's called today, which by the way it is, it's not too late to tend the soil. It's not too late to change the type of soil that you have. Christ keeps sowing. Friends, let's keep tending. And we do it not of our own strength. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us. This is what it means when Scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. words words coming alongside and tending to our hearts. And not only is Jesus the sower, but John 12 tells us that he's the seed that fell to the ground and died and in his death bore much fruit. He bore an incredible harvest of people like you and me who are saved and reconciled to the Father and have life. And have the ability to bear fruit ourselves. And it's only because of Christ. And so friends, that's what I've got this morning. Was you receive that seed, that good news this morning. Christ died for your sins and he was raised to secure victory. And he sent the Holy Spirit so that we might live in the kingdom. And so that we might bear abundant fruit. So that we might bear witness to our king.